Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. LT, how excited are you for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals of the NBA now that they're officially set? I guess if you would have told me uh, a month ago that the Celtics and Cavaliers were going to match up for back-to-back consecutive years, I wouldn't have been that excited, I guess just because of a shorthanded Celtics team, and I would have assumed that LeBron did LeBron things and Cleveland's kind of mowed through the playoffs, which I guess after Indiana they did to Toronto. But I am excited about what we believed was inevitable in the Western Conference Finals in Golden State and Houston. But what for a minute, Clay, I don't know if you feel like this, um, what for, I shouldn't say a minute, for a good majority of the season, felt like Houston really had a good legitimate shot of beating Golden State. I just don't know if I feel that right now. I said that if Houston loses game one, this series is over. And I think that in the same way the Raptors, I think if the Raptors had won game one against the Cavs, that everything in that series would have been different. But psychologically, they are so convinced, I think, in the back of their minds, that they can't beat the Warriors. That if after winning 65 games and going 8-2 and in the playoffs so far and having home court advantage, if they come out on Monday night and they lose... I think that the Warriors will win in five games. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, Draymond Green's comments a couple of days ago about, you know, basically it's next up. We're not, you know, what does Houston mean to us? He said the right things. And I used this analogy yesterday. Houston's almost like, it's almost like they stalk Golden State. It's the love they can't have. And we saw from Daryl Morey, I mean, basically said in the offseason, this is who we want to be. And, you know, Houston, the entire attention is focused on Golden State. And I agree with you. You fight so long and so hard 
to get home court advantage and you have the best record in the NBA, and if you're to lose game one where you're a skinny favorite, only minus two, um, I think things flip quickly and this, this series could be over. Over under three years here, all right, three years. Would you rather have Brad Stevens or LeBron James? I guess I'm going to go LeBron. Well, you tell me three oh, years. I, I was going to ask you what I would I have to? How Brad many years Stevens would I have to give you to take Brad Stevens? Three and a half? Would you go? Brett? Would you go Brad I, Stevens over LeBron? I think I'd go five. Here's the thing: if you would have asked me this before the season, I might have taken Brad Stevens as good as Brad Stevens has been this year without his two top players. Um, but LeBron, what he did this postseason, you can make an argument, this is the best postseason we've ever seen him at 33. So I just don't know when he slows down, Clay. I think he's at least got two more years uh, playing at the level he's playing at right now. It might be three. And we know that LeBron's a guy that's done it with bad coaches. I mean, what is Tyron Lue right now? Oh, I think you look at the four coaches that are left right now, and there is such a huge gap. Like, imagine if LeBron was playing with Brad Stevens, for example, and maybe the maybe the uh, criticism you can levy against LeBron is that he's never been willing to really have an elite-level coach mentor him. That's like the great example I think we always ask. Brady versus Manning. What would Peyton Manning have been like if Bill Belichick had been his coach? I mean, how much success could those guys have had together? Could they have coexisted? Because who's the best coach that LeBron James has ever played for as a head coach during his tenure with the Cavs? I mean, Mike Brown. Oh, Mike Brown. Mike, Mike Brown. It's not Dave Blatt. I mean, it's not yeah. Tyron Lue. Yeah, I guess I would go Mike Brown. But, you know, I'm a Lakers fan. And uh, I watched Mike Brown from afar there. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think you've actually had a legit you know what? What would be viewed as a top tier coach? Not what do you close. What do you think if you flipped Ty Lue and Brad Stevens? What do those two teams look like? And what would the Celtics look like if Ty Lue had been their coach the entire season? And what would the Cavs look like if Brad Stevens had been their coach? How much difference in wins uh, would we see? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Cleveland would have been your one, and Boston would have probably fallen from a two to maybe a seven. They might have been in the same situation. Um, that Milwaukee was in. I mean, I think it would be a huge discrepancy. I mean, look, Brad Stevens is working magic. I mean, he really is. And look, and I think Jason Tatum's going to be an absolute superstar. And if I was actually drafting off, off of Boston's roster with a healthy Kyrie and a healthy Gordon Hayward, I think I still would take Jason Tatum for the future. Um, but with that said, I mean, with what he's doing, working, working the magic he's working, it's, just, it's been incredible. All right, so let's presume what's going to end up happening here uh, is LeBron is going to advance with the Cavs and the Warriors are going to advance and get past Houston, which I agree with you on. And then you end up with Warriors-Cavs part four. And the Warriors, I think, I don't know if you agree with me, are substantially better than the Cavs this year. I think the Cavs have gotten worse. I think the Warriors have had injuries but I don't think if, by the time they get to the NBA Finals, I think they're going to be back to firing on all cylinders. Assuming that's true, and LeBron loses for the third out, third time out of four years, he comes to you, he says, Lance Taylor, what should I do? Where should I go in the offseason? You tell him what. Oh, man, it's such a loaded question. You know, I, I, I think in Houston, you look at the potential um, with I mean, obviously playing with CP3, and then you got James Harden, and for LeBron to play a true three there, and then Clint Capella. I mean, that lineup could be deadly. Uh, Philadelphia, I don't know if it works as much. 
I think him and Ben Simmons can coexist at Embiid, but uh, I I think I probably lean Houston. You know, as a Lakers fan, um, I can't decide if I want LeBron. I'm torn on LeBron. You know, I used to like LeBron, and then I got to a point where I didn't like LeBron. I obviously respect his game, but it just it seems like such a rental. But I guess that's where we are in the NBA. But if I'm pushing LeBron, um, I'm definitely getting him out of Cleveland. He doesn't owe Cleveland anything. Uh, it was a terrible organization before LeBron. He's taken them to multiple finals. He finally won them a championship a couple of years ago. I'm getting the hell out of Cleveland, though. I, I think I would go Houston. All right, let me uh, let me hit you with this hypothetical because I hit this with Jason Whitlock uh, last week, and I do think it's a great one. How much more would LeBron James be appreciated if Michael Jordan had never existed? In other words, clean Jordan out of your mind. Everybody out there listening, do the same. How much more entertaining would LeBron James's career have been if Michael Jordan had never played the game of basketball and we'd never heard of him before? Uh, he would be viewed, I think, as the greatest player of all time. You know, the, the problem And is, I think not only that, I think we would insanely appreciate him because of that reason. Like, there would never have been this never-ending debate about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, which has been going on for at least a decade now, maybe longer. And instead, we would just have been able to kick back and enjoy the ride because we wouldn't have had to have the Jordan ghost lingering over LeBron James throughout his entire career. Yeah, I I agree. You know, and this is going to sound weird. I think there's other, I don't want to say there's other players that, that you can look at and, hey, look, there's a six six two that kind of looks like Michael Jordan um, because there's, I guess there's not, but LeBron James is a player we've never seen before. Well, I, the way I describe eight. him, yeah, the way I describe him is he's Carl Malone who plays point guard. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, at 6'8", 250 pounds, the guy can do absolutely everything. The problem is the bar is always going to be Michael Jordan and the championships and the MVPs, and it's just – I don't want to say it's unfair, but we're just unrealistic, and there's – anybody over the age of 35 is never going to give LeBron the credit that he actually deserves. But I, I agree with you. It's, it's an amazing hypothetical because if Michael Jordan is never born, I think LeBron is cemented as number one. But because Michael Jordan had the career he had, I don't think most people will consider LeBron number two because I think there's like almost an animosity from Jordan backers where they don't even want to make it close. So they always put a separation between Michael Jordan, uh, whether it be you know Magic Johnson, Kareem, Bill Russell, whoever that guy is, two, three players in front of LeBron James. And a lot of these guys don't even have LeBron James in their top five. Yeah, it's interesting. We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor. Uh, you can follow him uh, there on Twitter. You can also listen to his show, 94.5 Jocks in Birmingham. Um, all right, game seven tonight between the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators. I will be watching. I got to coach Little League Baseball, uh, seven- and eight-year-olds, which is its own uh, interesting world and dynamic. And then I'll finish that game, and then I'll come home with my kids, and we'll watch this game. Now, we live in Nashville. We've My kids are Preds crazy. Nashville, this is something I never would have believed, is the number three market in the entirety of the country for the NHL, which is like, I mean, you talk about a crazy, crazy audience. Will you watch game seven of the NHL series here between the Jets and the Preds, given the fact that there's really nothing else on of a substantial nature? I understand a lot of you are baseball fans. Most people are not going to make the decision to watch a national baseball game. You may watch your favorite local team, 
Otherwise, there's not a lot of sports going on. Will you watch? Uh, yeah, I'll tune in. Um, I mean, look, I think it's it's probably overplayed. There's nothing like a Game 7 and the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. But, I mean, it, it is going to be intense. And, look, Nashville did what they had to do to get it back um, to Nashville. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be tuned in. I'm still trying to get over this Marcus Smart not you know, converting that second free throw. Yeah, that was, that was uh, one of the most brutal. Did you have, which side did you have? I had Philly. I had Philly plus one and a half. So one of the, I mean, he intentionally tries to miss the free throw and then he makes it and they cover the one and a half. That's an unbelievable bad beat. I mean, I, I, seriously, you put an NBA player at the line a hundred times and they try to miss a free throw, they're probably going to miss it ninety percent of the time, right? Or maybe even more. Especially when it's I mean, a guy who's a good free throw shooter like him, so you would think would have better range. It's not like it's uh, you know somebody like Shaq back in the day who's going to make 52% of his free throws. So even when he's trying to miss, he's just not good enough at it. Um, you know, the, the, what's more likely than to make a lot of times is the air ball, right? Where you got a guy sitting there and he's trying to miss and he just totally throws his game off and leaves it short uh, or banks it in or something like that. But this one was tough. I, I just, I don't get it. It hit backboard and it hit like three places in the rim. And, and then one of the worst inbound, in, inbound passes I've ever seen. Yeah. So that was just it was an awful beat. And then he walked with the steal, by the way, but they didn't call it. And that was a uh, that was a tough way to have that game end as well. All right, last night I was at Justin Timberlake. Um, probably a 70 to 75% female audience. I was asking the question, and I think we have to say outside of porn and outside of sports, which woman in entertainment has a predominantly male fan base? Is there any at all that you can come up with? Because there are lots of oh. men who sell out arenas, and the majority of their audience will be female, right? You could run through a long list of men over the years that have made a living off a female fan base. Can you think of a woman who is anywhere near that level? And again, I'm taking away porn, and I'm taking away sports. Because, I, by I, the way, for people I, out there who are asking, porn, the audience is so overwhelmingly male by, you know, regardless. And then the same thing is true of sports. Like, Ronda Rousey, I think, probably, of all women athletes ever, probably Ronda Rousey had the largest male fan base at the peak of her, you know, before she got beat by Holly Holm. I'm not sure that there's anybody else even close. Maybe Steffi Groff, maybe Serena Williams, maybe those would be the largest male fan base because I think men tend to like tennis more than women just because it's a sport. But I'm taking away porn, and Jenna Jameson's probably the most famous porn star of all time from a female perspective. That would be my guess. You you agree with that, Jenna Jameson? The most yeah, famous. Yeah, probably. Uh, um, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, can you imagine if Amy Schumer was hot? She's so filthy. I don't think I don't think she would have a career if she were really hot. You're probably right. Because her, her, her whole she, appeal is I'm right on the borderline between being good-looking uh, and not being good-looking, right? Like, that's literally the entire basis for her act. Now, I went to Chelsea Handler, and I thought, you know, when Chelsea Handler was at her peak, now women loved her, but Chelsea Handler's a prettier version of uh, of Amy Schumer. But the audience, I, I mean, I can literally test that. She came to Nashville. I went and saw her stand-up act. And it was a massively female audience. Maybe, by the way, the best-looking audience I've ever been in. Like the Chelsea Handler fan base was all you know women in their twenties and thirties so drinking me heavily. That, that the Chelsea Handler ticket holder was better looking than the Justin Timberlake soccer mom ticket holder. 
I think so. Now there was um there was the, the the Justin Timberlake audience was a little bit older than the Chelsea Handler audience. So whereas the mom like the Justin I would say the 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 number one person last night at the Justin Timberlake concert was like drunk mom. Drunk mom who's probably like between 38 and 45 years old was probably like the wheelhouse audience for Justin Timberlake last night. Maybe 35 okay, honest, to 45. Honest question, Clay. If if you could freeze time, percentage of women in that crowd last night, married or divorced, single, whatever the status is, that if they had an opportunity to go backstage and sleep with Justin Timberlake, what do you think the percentage is? 70? Probably. I mean, I think. And now we think about it as a guys more than girls do, right? I mean, this is like the spoiler alert sexes are different, right? Um, I think your guy thinks that women are more likely to have anonymous sex with famous people because guys would all do it, right? Like, we don't even have to ask the question. If you were out at a, I don't know, who's the equivalent of Justin Timberlake for Katy Perry before she had the ridiculous haircut? Let's say you're at a Katy Perry concert. What percentage yeah, of I, men at that concert would sleep with Katy Perry if they could behind stage after the show? Like 99%. You know, yeah, like every, yeah. guys are like, yeah, oh, my, are you kidding me? Like, I'm, I'm all in. You know, like whoever it is, Rihanna, like you go through the list of like the best looking female singers. I think it's lower for women. I will say this, and I asked my wife this. I do love when you go to a Justin Timberlake concert that the women all dress up like they're going out to dinner and a date with Justin Timberlake. Like, guys right. don't like do they, this, right? It, no. I mean, it's not like when, when we're getting dressed to go see Ariana Grande, um, and yeah. I don't know if that would ever happen, that we think that we have a fighting shot of some roadie coming up and handing us a backstage pass and uh, something's going to happen. But you're right. They all dress to the nines. Um, I'm sure that, uh, you know, they probably go out and, you know, get manis and petties and get waxed and the whole, you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah, like my wife had on really nice heels, and when we were walking into the arena, she's like, oh, these shoes are killing me. She wasn't wearing those shoes for me, right? Like, she was wearing those shoes, and not necessarily for Justin Timberlake either, but all these women were there, and they all look fabulous. Now, here's the other thing. Women don't dress for men. They dress for other women, so I think they know they're all in competition with each other for the Justin Timberlake concert in the event that Justin Timberlake suddenly decides he's going to sleep with one of the women there. They got to look their best. Um, so that was uh, that was a pretty wild experience in general. So that concert didn't end until almost midnight, um, and uh, and Timberlake put on a hell of a show. And then tonight, obviously, they got to flip out that arena and be ready for Game Seven. So you said you'd watch. Uh, I, I got to tell you, the one thing right now in sports that I never believed I would be is a hockey fan, and my kids love it. Like they've got hockey sticks, they're running around. Um, the NHL playoff experience I think you can argue dunks all over the NBA now I know nothing about the strategy right I got no idea how to break it down you know what I found LT that actually makes the experience a little bit more entertaining because if I'm watching a football game I'm sure you're the same way I'm constantly thinking about the play calling I'm thinking about the game situation like I feel like I could manage the overall game same thing happens in baseball basketball I feel like you put me in instead of Ty Lue there's probably not that much difference in terms of what the Cavs are able to do if you give me a little bit of time to prep in advance hockey I got no idea but it almost makes the enjoyment better because I'm not breaking down like the the overall coaching aspects of the game 
Yeah, look, I, I feel you. And for forever, um, up until about 10 years ago, I used to have the center ice package. Yeah. And I watched a lot of the Kings games. I was an L.A. Kings fan. And, of course, once I give up really being a hockey consumer, uh, the Kings get really good or got good for a few years. Um, so I kind of jumped off. But even when I was watching, and, and, I mean, I was watching Die Hard for like three or four years, I still didn't really understand it. Yeah. And I guess it's just because we didn't grow up playing that game. Totally. I've only had – I've had one pair of skates on me in, in my entire life. What, when did you go skating? Uh, so probably when I was nine or ten years old. Like in Birmingham? So when I grew up, there was one ice skating rink in Nashville, and that was only yeah, we like – we, we had an ice lodge. Now, I mean, we had professional hockey for years. Like I mean, for minor a good league. decade plus. Yeah. yeah, minor league hockey team. Yeah, I would go. We had one in, in Nashville called the Nashville Knights, and uh, I, you know they rode around on buses. I remember one year, this is pretty crazy, the bus of the opposing team broke down, and so instead of canceling the game, they were like, we're just going to have to bump it back like two hours because we have to get the guys here, and they let every kid come on the ice and shoot. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. They let us all come on the ice and take shots at goalie. Can you imagine today – them letting the whole arena of kids with the ice and the danger of falling and everything else, uh, literally every kid in the whole place got to come on the ice and take shots at goal. Uh, the, the 80s were a beautiful thing before yes. liability, right? No doubt at all. Uh, all right, my man, I appreciate it. Enjoy Game 7 tonight. And if you think of anybody like who would have a majority male fan base who's a female outside of porn or sports, I'd love to know who the person is. It's number one. Best nominee I've gotten so far, Cheryl Crow. I don't know what Cheryl Crow's audience looks like. Could it be majority male? Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, she's so you know, out of sight, out of mind. I'll be yeah. thinking. I'll rack my brain. I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. All right, perfect. Uh, that is Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Clay Travis and tell me who you think of in that respect. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We bring in now John Morosi. You can follow him on Twitter uh, at J-O-N-M-O-R-O-S-I. If I spelled that correctly, it's early in the morning. It's possible that I messed it up. Uh, your pick to win the Stanley Cup, I believe, before the season, the playoffs started, was the Nashville Predators. Game 7 is going on tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. What in the world is going to happen, John Morosi? Clay, uh, my friend, uh, we don't know, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, I, I think that uh, the Preds have the edge. They're at home. I, I believe the... The research I saw yesterday on NHL Network indicates that about uh, 60% of the time the home team wins, uh, but actually an even higher percentage of the time uh, the team that wins is the one that scores first. So certainly I, I would invite everybody to, to tune in early and uh, and really invest early in this game because that's, that's going to probably tell you the way things go. I, I think the way things played out in Game 6 was precisely along those lines where Nashville scores in the, in the first minute and and then it was a matter of really suffocating uh, the neutral zone there and just not letting Winnipeg uh, get any headway and, and really winning a lot of the one-on-one puck battles and, and just stifling whatever momentum Winnipeg wanted to create in the neutral zone. I think that the biggest thing, Clay, and, and you know this uh, for, for being so connected to the town, is that uh, Pecorine is the, is the wild card here because uh, he's either been really great as he was in Game 6 with his shutout or uh, he's been pulled, as he was the, the previous day, or, or just inconsistent. So uh, it, it, I think we're, we're going to know early on 
how settled in his net Rene is, and if he's settled, if he's ready, and if, if the defense in front of him is really keeping the, the, the grade-A chances away, I think that the Preds win this game. And if he's not, though, if he's, if he's off his game or, or if the Jets are able to use their speed a lot early to dictate the tempo, then I think Winnipeg has a chance to pull off the upset. Tell me why this happens, right? We've, we've seen six games played so far in this series. Nashville Predators are 1-2 at home. Winnipeg Jets are 1-2 at home. And if you look at just the last three games as these teams have gotten used to each other, Nashville goes out and upsets Winnipeg 2-1. The only goal that is scored in Winnipeg is scored with less than a minute to go after they've already pulled the goalie and they're putting kind of the full court press on the Nashville Predators and Pekka Rene. Uh, Game five, everybody anticipates the Predators are going to come back home, take control of it. Instead, the Preds just get their ass kicked, uh, give up six goals, including, I think, four in the second period alone, which is just an onslaught. And then in game six, everybody's expecting, oh, you know what, we uh, Winnipeg's probably going to close out this series. Instead, the Preds go up there and dominate and win 4 nothing. And in fact, in the last, whatever, 120 minutes it is in Winnipeg, Winnipeg has scored one goal. And that, like I said, that only goal came with the goalie pulled at the very end of the game. Why is the trajectory of these games so different? What am I missing from a perspective on why the Nashville Predators can be so good in game four and game six on the road and basically stifle Winnipeg and how they give up six goals at home in game five. Am I missing something structurally that's going on different for home and road games? What's happened here in the last three? Well, one thing that I've heard uh, Craig Simpson point out on, on CBC on the, on the game broadcast, and I think it's a really good point, is is this, that that when when the teams have been playing at home, uh, with all that momentum and excitement from the from the fans, that that maybe their their emotions are are getting away from them a bit, and and all the excitement of, of wanting to do so well for their home crowd has has almost put them on a bit of a whether it's fast forward or or just out of your routine, out of your element, out of your your structure, and that when you are are playing out of your structure because of your emotion then mistakes happen. And, and uh, so his theory is that really is kind of what we've seen there uh, in those last three games where the home team really has never, has never looked all that comfortable. I, I, it is a surprise to me, though, in mentioning the, the Winnipeg Jets game four and game six. Um, at no point in time did they hold a lead during those two games at home, which is just hard to believe given, given everything that we've seen with their atmosphere um, in that in that arena in that in that entire city, with the passion for hockey being the way it is, and then the, the the streets around the arena just being filled with fans there, is trying to enjoy and appreciate this. It's it's really I think both cities uh, obviously neither one has ever won the Stanley Cup. Last year though, Nashville there was a they at least got used to it. I think collectively as a town, both from a fan standpoint and for the players. In Winnipeg, this is all so new, and uh, I think that maybe um, the, the emotions just ran a little too high uh, on, on Monday night there in Winnipeg, and, and, and they were just not able to, to master them, master those emotions and, and help themselves just get back into their game. So tonight it's going to be, we, we hear it a lot in hockey, Clay, where it said that you have to play a good, disciplined road game. Sometimes being focused and trying to be simple uh, is easier to do on the road, and so that's the challenge and that's the hope if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan tonight. If you're just going to turn it on because you want to be entertained by a good sporting environment and, and, and outcome, I think it probably is likely to occur tonight. But yes. keep in mind, 
there's been six games obviously played so far in this series. The team that has scored first has won every one of them. So uh, that first goal could loom very large, particularly in a game seven. All right, let's pivot to your other area of expertise. It's Major League Baseball. Uh, And I asked this question of you on Monday, and I'm going to continue to ask it of you now that they are playing. Are the Red Sox and the Yankees the two best teams in Major League Baseball this year? They are, and uh, as as we talked about uh, then, it's it, it's been about 16 years since they played this deep in the season, with both having the uh, the the best records in the game. And I think the way that that things play, played out so far in this in this series really underscores that the Yankees they, they they have shown. You think about the way they've won some of these games, especially last night coming back late. They they have really reclaimed Clay that 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 sense of. Uh, you know, I, I suppose the the Kurt Schilling saying at the, saying at the time was the mystique and aura, as as he was uh, somewhat pejoratively uh, speaking to the uh, uh, the ghosts of the old Yankee Stadium and just the the old presence that they had back in those days. And and I think they're getting it back, and just based on the sheer talent they've got in their lineup, they're never out of a game. They've got balance. Uh, D.D. Gregorius is, is an MVP candidate, at least in the early going this season. They've still got Judge. They've still got Stanton. Judge may well set the record for home runs from the number two spot in any lineup ever. There's there's just a lot to like about their depth. And then, of course, they have the youth with Glaber Torres, who's played so well at, at second base, batting ninth. So there's there's just a lot to like about the way this team is, is put together. And, and, you know, there's a little concern, I think, about their rotation with Montgomery being being out. But as soon as Montgomery goes on the DL, Domingo Herman comes in and has five uh, no-hit innings in his in his very first start for the Yankees. So uh, it, it's a team that, that has, uh, I think, all the ingredients that you look for in a World Series champion. They were they were my pick to win the World Series, Clay. And so right now, I'm I, I'm not going to change it right now. <laughs> well, we had last year an epic World Series between the Astros and the Dodgers. The Astros look like they're in pretty decent shape. I mean, they're having yeah. a really good start to the season. They've kind of picked up on the momentum that they picked up. Uh, from winning Game 7 and continuing that uh, that series. On the other side of the equation, Dodgers are sitting at 16-20. and 20. They are eight games out of first place behind the Arizona Diamondbacks, sitting at 24-12. and 12. Are the Dodgers done? They're not done. Uh, they're not done, but I'm, but I'm legitimately worried about them. This is, this is more than just a bad start. They, they have not – they just have not played consistently well in almost any facet of the game. And, and, and we, we, I think we talked as well about how – just how much change there's been in this lineup since the World Series ended. Uh, they they lost you Darvish from from pitching standpoint. I realize he didn't pitch very well in the World Series, but still it's a loss. And and now their depth is being tested with the injuries to Kershaw and Ryu. In the lineup, we're seeing really a, a lot of players moved all over the place uh, at, at at different times. Either they're out of the lineup, or Chris Taylor's now playing shortstop again. Turner's hurt. Uh, Seager's out for the season. So their, their personnel just simply is not the same. They're having to count on, I think, more of their role players. And, and, and I think this is something that we saw last year. They do a very good job, the Dodgers have had, at least traditionally, uh, of taking advantage of the platoons and, and batting Kike Hernandez in, in, in key spots. They'll bat him clean up sometimes against lefties to take advantage of how well he hits lefties. And, and all of those things work. And Kike's having a really good start to the year, I should say. Uh, the, the platoon idea works. And mixing and matching works, but it only works when the middle part of your lineup, when the fulcrum of your team is there. And 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 the fulcrum of the Dodgers, I believe, to some extent it's Bellinger, but it really is Turner and Seager. 
Turner hasn't played this year because of injury. Seager's out for the season. So when, when your main cogs are not there, the rest of the, of the, of the complementary pieces in, in different ways, now all of a sudden they have, they have to become the, the, the main producers. And just that has just not worked for the Dodgers on a consistent every night basis. And I anticipate the struggles will continue. Now, they can overcome them once Turner comes back maybe and they make some tweaks, but this is the team that is, uh, as presently constituted Clay, uh, not going to be going back to the World Series. Um, it definitely uh, looks ugly for Dodger fans early in the season, to be sure. What else is out there for people who uh, maybe tonight are going to pay attention to Major League Baseball because the NBA playoffs aren't going on, there's only one NHL game, and certainly as we move into the weekend, until Sunday the NBA isn't rolling, what should people be aware of as we approach basically a quarter of the way through the Major League Baseball season? Uh, a couple of things. Number one, the, the, the Astros are still a, a dynamic team, and, and I love the fact that with their pitching, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, our, our MLB Network Television Research, looked at this. Uh, they have the chance to be the first two teammates uh, since 1968 to both have ERAs under two in the same season, because that's where it's at right now for both of them, which is remarkable. Now, it's going to be hard to keep that up, but I, I think that, that to me is a really exciting storyline for, for that for that particular team because we, we've talked a lot about why it's been since the Yankees of the late 90s that have won consecutive World Series and and it's very hard to do it but the Astros with their pitching they've got a chance I love the the Atlanta Braves as well Clay I'll mention this and their young talent right now the top two teams in the National League East the Braves and the Phillies the Braves have the three youngest players in the majors and they are all young stars Ronald Acuna Jr. from Venezuela, Mike Soroka from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, a pitcher, and then Ozzie Albies, who has been one of the best middle infielders we've seen at this age in recent history. So a lot of young talent there. That team has arrived earlier than expected, I think, it's, and it's made this division race in the National League East with the presumptive frontrunner in, in, the, in the Nationals. They're now in third place. To me, it's made this race the most fascinating to watch in all of baseball because you've got two teams, the Braves and the Phillies, that have gotten good ahead of schedule, and it's jumbled everybody's perceptions of what this division was going to be. So uh, that's, that's my favorite, favorite division in baseball to watch right now, Clay, and I expect it's, it's going to continue to stay as competitive as it's been so far. All right, last question for you. I know I said last question before, I believe. We're talking to John Morosi at J-O-N-M-O-R-O-S-I. Who do you think wins tonight? I think you said you'd take the Preds because it's Game 7. Assuming that happens, either Winnipeg or the Preds, who do you like in that series against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights? And then in the Eastern uh, side of the NHL bracket, do you like the Capitals or do you like Tampa Bay Lightning more? I like Tampa Bay a little more on the Eastern side. I I think the way their defense has played uh, so far in these playoffs, uh, of course getting fortified with the Ryan McDonough trade has been really Really important. So I, I, th- I think that the I give the slight edge to the Lightning there. I, I like their goaltending situation a little better as well. Uh, in the West, uh, I, the, the conventional wisdom, and, and I suppose I'll stay with it, especially given the fact that I picked uh, Nashville to begin the playoffs. But the conventional wisdom is that whoever wins the, the, this game tonight will will be the favorite and, and probably find a way to, to defeat the Golden Knights. But I just I love what the Golden Knights represent. What an amazing story they've been. The the, the people of Las Vegas deserve so much credit for the way that they they've bonded with their team and, and bought in 100%. I, 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 I love that. I love seeing hockey go to a new place 
and be embraced the way that it is. And, and both the organization and the fans deserve credit for that. So, uh, and, and they've had players, William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall, so just to really have the, the, the season, the seasons of their careers. So, uh, I'll, I'll pick either Nashville or Winnipeg, but, uh, I do so with, with a lot of uncertainty because that, that Vegas Golden Knights team, Clay, they have been quite literally the best story in sports this calendar year and even going back into, into 2017. Enjoy Game 7. We will talk to you next week, John Morosi. Can't, can't wait, Clay. Really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you then. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare hey it's jonas knox all right game off we got to pause here to talk more about monopoly go i know what you're saying flag on the play you already talked about that but there's just so much good stuff in this game in monopoly go you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards the more you win together the more awesome prizes you unlock and there's so much to get unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!